0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air, I'm Sarah Fenske. My guest today has a big story to tell, and by big, I mean it's seven feet long, and it weighs 3,000 pounds. I'm talking about the triceratops head that Missouri paleontologist David Schmidt recently found in South Dakota. Yes, found. This is a very big find. And then he brought it back to Missouri on a flatbed trailer. And joining me to discuss this remarkable story is David Schmidt. He is an associate professor of geology and environmental science at Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri. David, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: So this head, this feels like something that paleontologists around the world dream of finding. How is it that a college professor based in Missouri ended up being the guy to find it?
1: I think it has a lot to do with luck, to be honest.
0: That's very modest of you.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's obviously some work that goes behind, um, you know, this kind this type of work. You have to do your research. Uh, But I think it involves a lot of luck as well.
0: So you were in South Dakota. What were you doing there?
1: So we go to uh, South Dakota every year for field season. Uh, The idea that I have is I've started this program at Westminster College that allows students to engage in field activities or uh, perhaps even doing some field research so they get an opportunity to go out and collect and prospect for fossil specimens during the summer. Hmm. So that's why we were going this summer, is to, to do the same that we had done in previous summers.
0: So you were out there with undergraduates?
1: Yes, these are all undergraduates. Uh, this summer we had uh, undergraduates, but we also had some, current, or some former students as well, so some alums.
0: And I understand you were you were somewhat tipped off that this was an area that you should be looking that that somebody who was almost on the the border of where this was found had come across it. What had he seen that made him realize there was something uh, where somebody needed to take a closer look?
1: Yeah, this was a member of the grazing association and while repairing a fence, he recognized some uh, fossilized bone fragments that had eroded out of a slope. And um, I think, while he does this type of work, he's always keeping his eye out looking for this as he's aware that this this region produces a lot of fossil specimens. And when he found these, then he reported that to the ranger station. That's the National Forest Service ranger station that's in Lemon, South Dakota.
0: So he reported that. What happens next? How do they end up turning to a paleontologist there with a bunch of undergrads?
1: <laughs> so this, when he found those... Uh, fragments, that was in March of 2019. We arrived in in June 2019 to uh, begin our our field uh, expedition. We always check in with the ranger station and so they kind of gave us a heads up that, hey, um, these were collected on National Forest Service property or uh, they at least thought at that time that it was. And uh, they asked if we would do a little preliminary survey uh, during our field season, to kind of give them a report of what we thought it might be.
0: Hmm. So, as you tell this story, uh, he found this in March, all the way till June, till you guys get out there. Was this in part due to the pandemic that somebody else didn't get there first?
1: No, actually, um, it took it took some clearances by the National Forest Service. Once once these were found, they had to ensure that these were actually, in fact, on the National Forest Service property. Um, as I was mentioning, the, the individual that found these were repairing a fence line, which, which kind of uh, determines where the, the property boundary is between the National Forest Service and a private landowner. So they had to get clearance to make sure that it was, in fact, on, on the Forest Service property, and so that took some time. We didn't even get to touch or excavate that until this summer. So it was a whole year before we got to do any sort of work at all.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, because this was 2019, you said. I I didn't even process that there. Um, So when did you start to realize, okay, this isn't just fossilized bone fragments. We've got a giant head here.
1: Pretty early on, uh, it it seemed pretty apparent that there was a lot of bone that was in place. And as we began to remove a lot of the surrounding rock, we realized more and more of it was in place. It actually did take me some time to uh, to accept the fact that we had a skull because this was one of the very first things that we found. <laughs> and I just couldn't imagine myself being that lucky. So <laughs> it took me some time to actually, to let that register.
0: Yeah, it almost seems too good to be true. Once you were sure, wow, we've really got the skull here, were you just absolutely freaking out?
1: I was. I was. I was pretty much overwhelmed by that. And um, all of the members of the crew were just absolutely excited.
0: And you mentioned the word overwhelmed. I'm, I'm sure it's so exciting. But then there's also got to be this feeling of, you don't want to screw this up. It is a, a large head like this, is this something relatively delicate, where in the process of excavating it, you could do a lot of harm?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you're not careful with the procedures of the excavation process and the removal, you can damage quite a bit. Now, thankfully you can repair all of that too, uh, but you wanna try and avoid that because it just creates a lot more work for yourself.
0: So did anything in your training give you the preparation to say, yeah, I'm gonna get this 3000 pound head out of the ground. That just seems like something that wouldn't be covered in the average, even uh, doctoral class.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, and, and this was this was our first pretty significant find. Everything that we have found in previous years was relatively small, easy, and very manageable to work with. This required a lot more uh, more of a methodical approach into getting it out. And we worked very meticulously, and we worked in, at a very slow pace to make sure that we were uh, ensuring the quality of work uh, that we could to, to recover it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds so glamorous, you know, you're pulling a giant triceratops head out of the ground. But I bet there were days that this work was, was probably pretty boring. Is, is that fair to say? <laughs>
1: Uh, it could be tedious at times, um, but I, I think, you know, as you're uncovering more and more and you're you're exposing more of the skull and other bones, it, it's very exciting. And I think that excitement continues to drive, um, drive us to continue that work. And so um, it, it is pretty exciting at times.
0: So ultimately, how long did it take to go from that moment of, of realizing you have a dinosaur head to actually getting this thing fully excavated?
1: That took some time. It was at least about a month and a half um, after we realized that we had the skull. uh, It took us quite a while to excavate around that. Um, We were doing this with pretty primitive techniques, just using um, picks and shovels and rock hammers and small handheld picks and, and brushes. And so it took us some time to do that.
0: So once you've got something like this excavated, is this just a case of finder's keepers? It's yours, you can take it home with you to Missouri?
1: Well, it, it belongs to the National Forest Service. It's always going to be property of the National Forest Service. But um, according to our permit, this is on what they would refer to as a permanent loan.
0: Hmm. So this gets to stay at, at Westminster College?
1: Uh, hopefully. Um, that would be great. Right now... Um, once we're done preparing it, it would be curated at the Yano Estacado Museum, which is in West Texas, which we collaborate with another institution there, uh, Wayland Baptist University, and there they have a nationally accredited museum, which would be able to curate that. But we're, we're trying to kind of change that, and hopefully we can get the Um, the sort of space that we need to do that here in Missouri.
0: Hmm. We're talking to David Schmidt. He's an associate professor of geology and environmental science at Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri. Um, He likes to say that he just got really lucky. Um, Other people would say that he did the right work to get where he needed to be to find a giant triceratops head with his undergrads. Pretty exciting news here. Um, You've got this out of the ground. You know you need to transport it. So how do you even begin to move something this big?
1: you need a lot of special equipment to do that. And we we talked to several local um, people from the community that was closest to our excavation site. And we knew a lot of these ranchers had a lot of equipment that would be capable of, of lifting it out of the ground. And so we had several of them come and, and take a look at the site and uh, they gave us some perspective on what they thought might might be the best technique or best way to, to lift it out of the ground. Ultimately, we had, um, a member of the, the community there, which is called Shade Hill, uh, they brought a backhoe in to actually lift it out.
0: Hmm. So they get this thing lifted out. I'm told it was then put on a flatbed trailer. Can that be right?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: And then it just trundles down the highway? I mean, we're, we're driving in our cars and we see a triceratops head go by?
1: <laughs> that's correct, yes. It was it was interesting because at certain times you could tell people were very curious as to what was on that trailer, even when we were stopping for gas. People would come by and ask, just out of curiosity, what we had.
0: Yeah, I mean, this must have just been a very nervous moment. Um, were you just white knuckling it all the way back east?
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely was. I didn't get a whole lot of rest for those for about that week that we were trying to get that here.
0: And I imagine you had to take some precautions to make sure it wasn't overly exposed to bad weather, other bad drivers. I mean, was it was it wrapped up in something? What, what do you even do? I'm just, I, I'm overwhelmed by this project here.
1: <laughs> We had it pretty secure on the trailer. We had it strapped down, but we did have a tarp around it as well to protect it from any sort of inclement weather.
0: And big horn poking out of the tarp.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> so, bigger picture. Uh, as much as I'm fascinated by the, the quotidian details here, I imagine that that this is important in terms of what people can learn from it. What what might one learn from a Triceratops head that, that's been on Earth millions of years after it sunk into the ground?
1: There's so many possibilities as far as what we can learn from this. Um, You know, there's a lot of clues that are preserved in the surrounding rock that can give us a lot of information about the environmental conditions in which this animal was living in. There's also features on the bone that we've recognized. There's potential bite marks. There's also some really odd growths on the bone that may have been from damage during its life. Hmm. Uh, where the bone rehealed or it might have had some sort of bone disease. So there's still lots and lots of information that we can gather uh, by our investigations.
0: So how big a deal is this for your department and the students studying with you? I mean, is this going to be years of, of research that come out of this thing?
1: Yeah, this will this will last for several years. We could stop going out in the field prospecting, you know for the next 10 years or so probably, and focus all of our attention on this. Um, there's, there's a lot of information to get out of this, and the thing is we're not even really done with the field work. We had to leave parts of the skeleton there because we simply ran out of time this, this field season.
0: So will you be going back to deal with the rest of this skeleton?
1: We will. Uh, next field season, next year, uh, we, we plan to go back and recover what we could not recover this, this summer.
0: Is there a sense that this is a, a fairly complete skeleton there?
1: Right now, what we're seeing is that it's it's fairly complete. It's not an articulated skeleton, meaning that you know parts of the body have been dismembered by various processes, and so it's really hard to say. But we're as be, before we finished the field season, we were starting to get in a very concentrated area of bone, which is very encouraging. So we feel like there is quite a bit there. We just don't know exactly how much.
0: Hmm. So we've all seen um, these these famous specimens at various museums. Is that the ultimate resting place for a guy like this?
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: And and how does that come about? You said he's on loan from the federal government to your college. Then would they put him up for auction? Or how does that work?
1: No. um, According to our permit, we're not allowed to engage in any sort of selling Uh, of of fossil specimens. This is specifically for research purposes. So, being housed in a museum would be the ultimate sort of location for a specimen like this, where they can do and conduct research on the fossil specimen in the future. Hmm.
0: So I was reminded of Sue the Tyrannosaurus Rex. She was also unearthed from South Dakota. This was from a ranch back in 1990, um, and she ended up being such a famous specimen here. But it makes me wonder about South Dakota. What has made that area such a hotbed of these dinosaur bones?
1: It has the right rock, the right type of rock, and the right age of rock, that preserves, uh, that had preserved these types of these animals that existed that, you know, m- millions of years ago.
0: And so um, so do you, do you expect there's more triceratops lurking even nearby this one?
1: Oh, there's no doubt. In fact, um, I think it was about four or five years ago, a team uncovered another triceratops skull that maybe was 200, 300 yards north of where our site is.
0: Hmm. How does this guy compare to the other Triceratops skulls that are out there? Is is he bigger?
1: It's quite. It's pretty big. It's one of the biggest ones that I've seen so far.
0: Hmm. Well, it's all so exciting, and this might be a really dumb question, but I can't help but ask. Uh, I referenced Sue, the Tyrannosaurus rex. She got a name. Will this guy get a name?
1: We have named this dinosaur Shady, and that is after the members of the community from Shade Hill, which were very excited very supportive and helpful in the two months that we were there
0: that's a really great name but i know that sue was named after the person who found her were you tempted to try to get people to name this this stegosaurus uh david
1: (laughs) no that's that's not a good name for it
0: (laughs) (laughs) i must say shady's a lot better (laughs) yeah and yes, he is a Triceratops. I, I also misspoke on that. As, as I mentioned, dinosaurs are not my thing. But you know what? I am now a believer. This is, this is one of the coolest stories I've heard in a long time. It seems like you just have the coolest job. What would be your uh, quick version of how a kid could end up having this remarkable gig that you now have?
1: A lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, and like I said, some luck as well, I think goes along with that for sure.
0: Well, David Schmidt, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us today and and sharing about this remarkable find and and all the luck that went into it.
1: Oh, thank you very much.
0: And David again is an associate professor of geology and environmental science at Westminster College and uh, the man who helped to find Shady. St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU.